Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Kurt, we finally have the news. Kevin Durant staying in Brooklyn. What is your initial reaction here? I think they ultimately had to land here because there weren't other good options for anybody, right? Like, I think ultimately Durant didn't really, with four years left on his deal, did not have the leverage he needed to force his way out. This wasn't Anthony Davis with a little over a year left and they better make a deal or else. And the Nets didn't really want to trade him. They, they were keeping the bar incredibly high and, and waiting for a super offer that was never going to come. And this... You know, it was this or hold out, wasn't it, Corey? I don't, I don't, I don't know that there was another. Did you see another landing spot? I mean, ultimately, I think this is kind of where it ended up having to go. It seemed inevitable um, at a certain point, just because of, of the the words that we kept hearing, especially in Sean Marks' statement. You know, if the, if the whole idea is like one collective goal, which, by the way, doesn't seem to be a reality in Brooklyn. When you think about that team, do you think of oh yeah, everyone's on the same page? I don't think so. And then this idea of build a lasting franchise to, br- to bring a championship to Brooklyn. The whole idea of doing a lasting franchise, um, and then right before your four-year, $198 million extension kicks in, you request a trade, try to force your way out. Days after, mind you, Kyrie Irving opts into his player option after the same thing happened. There was no viable trade options. Right. It, it, it just seems like this was inevitable in that sense, and I think the Kyrie – um, well, I guess the, the no action around Kyrie should have given us like a little bit premonition on well, what could happen for Kevin Durant, the same outcome. I think the situations are a little different, though. I think teams were – I mean, D- Irving has one year left in his deal. Teams were just hesitant there because of Kyrie Irving's track record the last few years, not, you know, missing time, obviously missing time with COVID. Just he has not looked like a reliable, like we can count on this guy for 70 games. I don't know if I want to bring up, give up a bunch to get him. Teams were willing to give up something for Kevin Durant, but not as much as the Nets were requesting. There was never the bidding war, I think, that they expected. And I think part of that, honestly, was that the Durant's 34, that, that he's not, you know, look, he's got four years left on his deal but is he going to be an MVP-level player for all of that? And part of it also, I think the Rudy Gobert trade warped the market. Just it's, it's warped it with Donovan Mitchell, which you know we don't need to talk about. But they're, look, they got three unprotected first-round picks, a lightly protected fourth, the number 22 pick from this year, plus a bunch of players, plus a pick swap. Like They got so much in that deal that you had to beat it, right? If you're Brooklyn, well – 
if Rudy Gobert gets X, we've got to get X plus whatever. And that was never out there. That wasn't, I'm not sure it was out there for Rudy Gobert outside of Minnesota. So I, I just don't think the market was there. And Durant and Irving just ended up not having the leverage they needed to get what they ultimately thought they could get. But you think about the top two players, right, as far as career earnings, it's LeBron James and Kevin Durant, right? right? I mean, you think about value historically. Kevin Durant has to be in the conversation of just like the upper, upper echelon. LeBron James just signed that deal with L.A. where you're thinking, wow, 48, right? Is it $40 million a year for a guy who's going to be in his late 30s? Uh, that's pretty wild. So this idea to me that perhaps the, the market, and the reason why I link 7-Eleven together, because one, you know, they came to Brooklyn together, 7-Eleven. And this idea that Kyrie's market isn't what he thought it was, Right. And I think Kevin Durant, what we've noticed is because of that Rudy Gobert trade, because of what we've seen, how LeBron James getting paid the way he is, and this idea of, well, what exactly is Kevin Durant's value at the current moment? You know, is it as astronomical as we think it is? Because ultimately, ultimately, and this is my biggest question with Brooklyn, Kurt, and I'm telling you, it, it like keeps me up at night. How can something be this massive, but be this insignificant? Like, on a macro level, Kevin Durant would have changed. It would have been like a seismic shift for the entire NBA, right? Like, every team would have reacted. I mean, the dominoes of the Kevin Durant trade, you and I were following the you – know, like, it's, like, it's like fan fiction, all the different yeah. – you know. But the, the reality is, on a micro level, I'm not sure anything changes. I don't think Brooklyn are the championship contenders now, you know? I don't think they're going to – like, it's just like a really interesting idea that I think that Brooklyn, as an organization, has been grappling with. They're like, we have all this talent that – on one hand could change everything, but the reality is no one's healthy and available at the same time. And, and we're not accomplishing our goal. Like how can this be this significant, but this insignificant at the same time? I, I will push back a little. I think they could be championship contenders. I think that there's, there's the talent on the roster to do it. I don't know that I trust them to look. There's just a lot of questions. There's just the, can Kevin Durant stay healthy for a season? Is Kyrie Irving fully committed and all in? We haven't seen Ben Simmons for a year. Is he willing to come in and accept his role? Is, you know, it, then you get to the role players, the Joe Harris and everybody else. Like, there's a lot of questions, but the potential is there for this to be a championship-level team. Like, on paper, if everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, they're there. So I, I think that's where Brooklyn ultimately was. I think they wanted to see what they've got. They wanted to see, hey, could we really do this? Because, I mean, on again, on paper – there's a lot of questions there. And by the way, one of the legitimate questions Steve Nash uh, or Kyrie, uh, Kevin Durant brought up is, is Steve Nash the guy to coach these guys? Is he the coach who can get them all doing this, you know, all on the same page? They've shifted his staff around. We'll see if that helps. Uh, well, I, there's just a lot more questions I've got about them than I've got about Boston or that I've got about Milwaukee. or, or That's what I'm saying. It's like when you think about the other elite teams in the NBA – like on paper, we, we had this conversation at the beginning of the season last year, remember, where we were thinking, on paper, Brooklyn's the champion. I mean, it was just like, it was crazy. I mean, you look at this team, everyone thought, all the other people in the NBA were like, this team is just unreal. It doesn't make any sense. And then we thought about that. Remember that James Harden trade with Ben Simmons? Yeah. You and I had this conversation. We were thinking the league will never be the same. This is a blockbuster thing. But then we also, we had, we had to ask that question. Will anything really – who wins here? And, you know, you and I came to the discussion, well, perhaps neither the 76ers nor the Nets win. Maybe 
the Bucks won. Maybe the Heat won. Maybe other teams in the league won because this team, both these teams now have disgruntled superstars and they don't have chemistry. And that's how it played out. You know, neither the 76ers you know, lived up to their potential with all that hype and neither did um, the Nets. Uh, so the Celtics won that trade. And I think that's what I mean is in this league, like what you just said, all the if-thens, it's like we're in like a, like a math theory class. You know, it's like this isn't real life. This is theory versus practice. In theory, if-then, if-this, if-that, then Brooklyn is the best. But the reality is we don't live in theory. This isn't a chalkboard. The reality is that Kyrie Irving has, you know, a lot of scenarios that we don't know. He's unpredictable. It's volatile. Kevin Durant, can he stay healthy? Ben Simmons is unpredictable, volatile. And the bench, we don't know how deep they are and if everyone's going to be healthy and available. So, and this question with Steve Nash, I just think there's too many questions. This is the land of theory, and I, I think Brooklyn needs to, to live in practice. Yeah, especially in a conference where we don't really have those questions about Boston right now. We don't really have those questions about Milwaukee right now. Um, we've got a couple questions about Philadelphia, but maybe not as many, many, and even Miami. Miami never gets mentioned in these things. Like, Miami had the best record in the East last year, and if Jimmy Butler hits a three, we might be back in the final. Like, I think I trust those teams. I Look, simply with Miami. Do I trust them to get the most out of the talent on the roster, play hard every night, and show up? <laughs> yes. And I, I don't know if we get that one. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. So I, this is four teams right off the bat that you just mentioned that, um, that I think are in better positions than Brooklyn, which, once again, is the question that is so shocking to this organization. Like how in the world are you thinking about like your team in with this light. I, I think that is the, the scariest thing. So the idea of build a lasting franchise to me, you know, that culture we, we talked about the idea that on one hand you could do something that might be immortal or, you know, that might be like the most invincible, like legendary thing. But on, on the other hand, you know, it's just an idea. It's not real. That must be so frustrating to everyone in Brooklyn and to, you know, the, the front office, the management ownership and to all the players, too. Like that idea, like, how do you make this go from potential energy to kinetic energy? And I think that ultimately it comes down to, well, how have um, the leaders led? And in the past couple of years, it just hasn't been that interesting. You know, one thing I thought about, Kurt, was if I had the chance to interview Kevin Durant, you know, what would I ask him in the wake of this? And this is what I came up with. I want to hear what you think, okay? Uh, one, the first question I need to know is, why did you decide to, to stay in Brooklyn? I think the second question is, what factors were you, were you weighing in your decision? I think that's just an inch. I want to know from his perspective. And the third one, I think, we talked about the meeting in London. We talked about the meeting in L.A. But at what point in his mind did you decide you were coming back to Brooklyn? I think I would love to know that. Like, what, when was it the decision? When was the decision made in his mind? And then when you think about success, like the word success, what would define this season for you individually as a success, you know, aside from the team goals of championship? Because I think, you know, there are a lot of narratives surrounding Kevin Durant's legacy. I'd be very curious, like, what would be his idea of success this season? I don't know that this – yeah, I, I think, look, I, I imagine his idea of success personally, although he 
you defer to the team because that's kind of who he is, would just be able to be back on the court and play, again, play 70 games or whatever. Because if he does that, he's still one of the handful of best players in the world, right? Like he is still an elite player. And I think that, I think the Nets thought that that's what would drive the, 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 a bidding war for him in, in, in a sense that the market that, that wasn't there, they looked out and said, Hey, maybe he's got four years and maybe two of those at the end aren't everything you hope because as he ages, but for two years, you've got a guy you can build a championship team around and it's, you know, We'll see. I would be really curious to know that. I, I think the evidence from the outside of the, the trade, you know, the, the GM and coach or me stuff that was kind of clearly a negotiating play. I think up until the last couple of weeks, he was really still trying to push this, but coming to a realization that it wasn't going to happen. And as we talked about before, if his option after that is to hold out, well, that's that's not great for his image. That might be worth, you know, in some ways that's not ideal for his image and his legacy. And by the way, he's 34 and he's making 40 million or whatever it is this year. Like at that age, you don't get a lot more swing. You don't get a lot more seasons and you don't get that much more money that many times. Like you, you can't just leave this on the table and walk away. Yeah. I think you, you keep mentioning his age at 34. And I do think, although we're seeing, you know, Tom Brady play at 45 and you know, the, LeBron playing at such an elite level in his late 30s. The reality is, yeah, you're right. That window is shrinking. And I do think when I think about, like, you know, Kareem late in his career, he was also playing with magic. <laughs> you know? So it's like this idea of when, when okay, if you're going to build a team around LeBron in his late 30s, like L.A. is doing, you know, can you have success? We saw them win the championship, but he also had a healthy Anthony Davis. So I guess the question with, with you know, Kevin Durant moving forward is a, a teams always have to think about, well, what's the price tag? And like you mentioned, all the things that they wanted, an all-star caliber player, like a franchise type player, you know, you're gonna end up you're gonna end up giving away the, the crucial piece that's gonna help you get the championship because LeBron by himself can't win in, in LA, you know? Just like Kevin Durant by himself, as he is entering into this stage of his career, cannot win in Brooklyn. You're gonna need an Anthony Davis, you're gonna need a Magic Johnson, you're gonna need someone who's you know younger who can help you get it done. So I think that's probably the most interesting note here is the price back to this idea of value. You know, if you're 34 years old and you're an aging superstar, you know, and you're starting to wane, and that's just the reality of it. Um, you're trying to maximize your income because you're right. You're going to have six years to make 40 plus million dollars a year, and then probably never again in your life. It's reality. But you need to. The price that can't also mortgage the team's chances by you know trading away the young superstar that you need. So it's a really interesting question. Yeah, it is, and I don't know. I. I think that that was part of the problem. Those all those other teams looked at the situation and said, "I'd love to have Durant here in Boston or Toronto or Miami or wherever, but I can't give up the guys that would cost me a title once I get him." Right? Like I can't. If I put Bam Adebayo in the deal, we're not winning a championship with. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think you're winning a championship as, as good as Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant would be together if you don't have Bam. Like there became a limit that, to what they would put in. And Brooklyn wasn't backing down from their offer. Yeah, same thing with, with the Celtics. Like, you give up Brown, do you, you know, do you win? And the answer, I think, is, I don't know, probably not. It's, it's, yeah. it's tough. So when we think moving forward, Kurt, what is your, your idea for, for Brooklyn? Do you think they'll be able to focus on basketball like Sean Marks said? Or are, are you thinking that this will, will, will linger? 
I, I, I can't believe we're not going to end up revisiting Kyrie and Kevin drama during the season, right? Like it, the first inevitable, by the way, every team does it. The first inevitable three game losing streak and, and, and slump for a couple of weeks for whatever reasons, stuff is going to bubble up again. And if they get off, look, if they get off to a slow start, if they're even an average start, if they're 11 and 11 after 22, I, I got a feeling all sorts of stuff is going to bubble up and Steve Nash's seat's going to get hot and it's going to be like, I just don't think the drama's done with this team. I don't think, like you said at the very top of this, I don't think we've got four years of them all sitting around arm in arm, buddy, buddy right now. Like, I just don't see it. I, I agree with you. I was looking at the deals, right? Ben Simmons becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2025. Kevin Durant, clearly four-year extension kicking in this year. Kyrie Irving, player option. So if you're thinking, okay, let's just play this out. Do you extend Kyrie Irving or not? I think that's the next first decision, right? right. And that's going to be something that, like, a cloud that hangs over the entire season. Yes. Th- then you think, okay, let's say you extend him. You have this window. Will we repeat what we just did? Let's say you don't extend. You, you let him walk away and say, okay, we, we've had enough. Let's just move on as, as an organization. So you hibernate this year, and then you think, okay, well, we have a, a short window. We've been until 2025 to figure it out with Ben Simmons. You know, but then it's like the same, the same idea of, well, just because you sign a max deal doesn't mean that you have, a, you have a window. Like Ben Simmons signed a max deal, then within two years he was in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kevin Durant signs this, this extension, and then before he even plays on this extension, he requests a trade. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting question to me that, you know, in today's NBA, you may not even have that window that you're, you're trying to build. And that concept from, that I pulled from Sean Marks' statement, you know, that they want to build a lasting franchise. I honestly, Kurt, I don't know how you do that given, you know, these three superstars that you're trying to build around their actions in, in recent years. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like they are the cornerstones that will give you a lasting franchise in this scenario. It just, each of them have, have shown that that's not their priority. No, they haven't, and I, I, I'm with you. I look their window, frankly, Corey. It might be this year. Wow, really? I, I think you're right. I think you're onto something, and that's scary considering that the turbulence you just described, <laughs> and it's August 24th. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Kurt and I will be back next week on PBT Extra, breaking down all the NBA news and more. I, I am. Scratching my head already, Kurt, but I, I look forward to you being able to suss all this out. Read the tea leaves for me. I will try. Teets and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.